today's episode nine, uh, almost in double, double digits. We're getting there. Uh, we're going to be doing part two tonight of possibly part three, our three-part series on Uldren. Um, it, uh, last time we covered Uldren's, uh, uh, his beginnings through the, uh, through the distributary and then his journeys with, uh, his friend Jolyon and the effects thereof of their journeys through the Black Garden. Uh, and we, we did a, we did a lot of deep diving into some, uh, some dark and light, um, craziness, like, I, I think I think I think our next set's gonna be dark and light. That's yeah. <laughs> rapidly which, uh, which you know was was a lot of really awesome conversation that almost nobody heard because none of my audio was recording correctly. Yeah. <laughs> so I forgot I forgot the rest of the intro. <laughs> Episode nine. Now with more myths. <laughs> uh, so yeah. So so today we're gonna start. Out, uh, we finished up last time. Uh, with the Battle of Saturn uh, and the big, uh, the big uh, um, cinematic uh, from D1, where Marasov took her entire Awoken fleet, uh, as many I'd, I'd say pretty much the whole damn Awoken people that was left on the on the reef, and just said, "Let's go, let's head in." And and they went in, and uh, during that battle, she was she was uh, her she was killed for all intents and purposes uh she was uh, she yeah that so that she could yeah so she could slip into the, the ascendant realm uh and Uldren, uh this is where we last left Uldren. he was sp- spiraling away um from the uh from the battle because it by all by all accounts the awoken lost like this 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 was a horrific loss of life on the awoken side and oryx had definitely just decimated the forces uh and so Uldren is is spiraling away and uh where's he end up Miss? so he ends up on mars uh <clears throat> and that's it a, that's a long ass journey though a long the way mars, like that's he had to have been floating through there next next to no life support like i mean he, he ship, busted ship just floating like yeah, and it, it was very much a crash. It was a crash landing yeah. on Mars. Um, and we got to remember, Aldrin at this point is not a guardian. He does not have right. any regeneration. He doesn't have you know resurrection like a, a, a normal guardian. Our character can pilot their ship immediately into the ground at mock speeds and still walk away from that. Him not so much. Yep. Uh, or, so or on on the on the flip side of that, floating through space. They could run out of oxygen and die over and over and over again, and it, it goes to just bring you back. Yeah, which he he may have experience with later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just can't yes. catch a break, man. Um, this poor guy. So, so Aldrin at this point, still Aldrin. Uh, he survived the attack from Oryx. He's one of the few in the fleet that survived the attack from Oryx. I. Uh, crash lands on mars and what we learn pretty immediately after he crash lands on mars is that um well i guess we already knew this and anyone that listened to our mara episodes already knew this but uh throwback mara did not tell anybody her plans when 
coming up against Oryx, including Aldrin. We, like we we know what her plan was now, but even then, like even even now, we still don't know what her ultimate plan is. Correct. Like we know that her whole idea going into the fight with Oryx was that she was uh, intentionally, or maybe not intentionally, but knowingly sacrificing a huge number of Awoken uh, for the ability to uh, slip into the Ascendant Plane via her own death. Um, Which, uh, again, not not derailing off Aldrin, but just to, to return back to the distributary and our discussion in the previous episodes of how much Awoken life... Uh, is valued amongst the, their people, you know, coming from a place where uh, the loss of of a life was the loss of literal limitless potential because they were they were truly immortal. Um, the loss of godhood, like the loss of the knowledge and everything that goes with it. Yeah. So uh, for and and for Mara being someone uh, who played a very pivotal role in the distributary in, in every way possible to be willing to sacrifice such a large number of her people for, for that goal. Uh, I have to believe that there is, there is still a much larger, you know, grand master plan at play here that we have not really even scratched the surface of with her. Absolutely. Um, But all that being said, Aldrin didn't know shit when Mara was planning all of this. Uh, So he is incredibly distraught at the idea of not only the entire fleet and his people being decimated, but also, uh, I would say, even more so than all of that combined is the thought of no longer having Mara be a part of his life. Real, real um, quick, man. You're cutting out a little bit. Oh. Hopefully this yeah. is a tad better. There you go. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, even... So, although he he is affected by the loss of, of the fleet, he's even more affected by the loss of just that one person, of just losing Mara. Yeah. Uh, and... He's always looked up to her. He's always... And not a lot looked up to her. He's always needed to prove himself to yeah like she has always been the thing that he has measured his worth by uh you know he's always been striving for her to claim him worthy of uh you know standing alongside her essentially um and to have to have that just gone he's he's listless he he has he has nothing to aim for anymore. Um, I definitely, and I definitely saw him like, like that crash on Mars is him feeling just completely and utter, utterly hopeless. Like, like yeah. life is pointless. Like there's like, why, why even go on? Like what, what is the purpose anymore? So there's a couple lines here that come from uh, that, that time period where he's crashed that I think are, are very interesting uh, and, and worth, worth starting with. Um, so, uh, what, as he's kind of 
digesting everything that's happened. Um, he's he's uh, you know thinking this to himself for the most part. Says he sees the moment the dreadnought took everything from him. The moment his sister finally, absolutely, utterly ran out of secret plans, which a tells me that just confirms he had no idea that this was all a secret plan. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but that he's like to him it, it it's it's an undeniable at this point it's an undeniable like this thing happened i i have lost something um he hates the future because he fears it he fears its emptiness and he cannot imagine lonely eternity without her as he staggers down the edge of a martian chasm he can feel the drop calling to him begging him to join her to end it all so he is you know he is to the point of suicidal oh in in his grief uh he never does i say he never does make an attempt on his life but the thought is there which in and of itself is you know this very powerful grief and, and and especially for the awoken like for for an awoken and not just an awoken the the prince of the awoken like he yeah. he has been he has been mars right hand man this whole time and for him to come down to this real not not realization but this this path of loneliness and this 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 like what what's the point why 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 do the why do the, why even be an awoken why even why even be alive like the, mm-hmm. what is what is the purpose because he he has literally lived through everything that Mara has lived through up to this point, yeah. uh, like they have, they have of course had like he's gone on missions where she's not there and those kinds of things. But they have always been a presence in each other's lives, all through, you know, when they were still humans, on yep. uh, the Exodus Green, through because you know being reborn in the distributary their their time in the distributary coming out like aldrin is also 12.1 billion years old like uh you know there's there's a lot there there's a lot of experience there and you know he's he's still having feelings that it's all not worth anything uh yeah. if if mara is not there as well um and this is also uh, some so some some time passes in, all in the same lore card here. It's talking about how he's been like tr- rebuilding the ship, and um, he's got like a little drone that that's helping yep. him and whatnot. Um, and it's, it's, it's it's his it's his uh, crow drones. It's all mm-hmm. these little scout yep. uh, drones that he's sent out to all the different planets to to be his eyes and ears that he's using to basically salvage parts from to try and get the <laughs> ship working again. Yep. Uh, just, to, just to do something, just to just to find some sort of purpose. Just yeah, just to keep busy. I think more than anything. Oh, uh, so he's he's going through, uh, he's he's gone through this moment of um, kind of realization that she's gone, and then uh, it, it's it. He kind of does the like stages of grief backwards, <laughs> in some yeah. ways, because um, oh, yeah. it's like he starts with. I don't want to say acceptance, but he he's not in denial. Like he he's he's mourning, but he's not saying like, oh, it didn't. You know, there, it's not possible. She didn't die. No, he's like, no, she she ran out of plans. Like that that yep. was it. Um, but 
slowly over time it goes from you know this this uh this realization to you know um depression uh where he's having these suicidal thoughts and then it, it moves backwards into denial uh <laughs> which like there's there's no way she can be dead there's yeah. no way there's he's no like... way the queen of the awoken people my sister the one who literally turned us in, into essentially gods is dead there's no way so and he has there's a line here where um it's it's been an unknown amount of time but the the ship is nearing being fixed at this point uh and it says he's been hearing her thirst hallucinations surely but there is that hum that whisper there's something in his eye he blinks and blinks trying to rub it away uh so he is uh at this point starting to hear it seems like very very um out again. <laughs> i don't i don't know what's causing it uh <laughs> i i haven't moved so so, so he's He's rubbing his eye, and 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 there's something. It says there's something in it. Yeah. So there's there's something in his eye, and and he's been uh, says he's been hearing her thirst hallucinations, surely. But there is that hum, that whisper. So he's literally hearing, kind of that voice on the wind, uh, sensation of of hearing Mara, um, of hearing his sister, and he's pretty. I mean, at this point, at least, he's he's kind of passing it off as like I'm, you know, I'm losing it essentially. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's interesting to note that, uh, he's having the, the issue with his eye, which will be a repeating factor as well as hearing these whispers pretty much immediately or, or shortly after the, uh, attack on Oryx. Um, because that's much sooner in the overarching story than when it becomes relevant for us as guardians. Uh, like I, I was kind of curious about that as well. Like I didn't, I, I, I know we're going to dive pretty deep into this, this eye thing and this whispers and, and obviously there's already a thousand things we can, we can infer and apply from the, from the, from even the word whisper, uh, mm-hmm. like there, there's so much <laughs> there that that isn't even spoken, but like we as the reader are like, oh my god, yeah, this, like, this, mm, this has got to be some mm, sort of keyword, keyword, <laughs> some sort of stuff that is going on here. Like this is this is this is real. Like this is this, something as bad as is coming or happening. Yeah, uh, and as a as as anyone that has played Forsaken knows. Uh, Riven is the one that controls Aldrin with the intention of, of him freeing her in some, in some way. Uh, I, if it's implied that this, this, uh, him rubbing his eye, his, his like having something stuck in his eye, um, and it being sore, it's, it's implied that that is, that is like how Riven got in or, or is a manifestation of Riven somehow. Um, and I was always curious. Um, if... So, so we, we know, we know a lot about Riven. Like we, we know a lot about Ahamkars and, and, and wish dragons. 
and that they like even even like their dead bones can still have mm-hmm. some sort of effect on uh um desire and want um and i'm curious if like if if every one of the awoken people had a part of riven with them in this battle or if it was a you know when oryx extended his throne world and 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 clipped into the dreaming city if that caused something to to clip back from the dreaming city back to everyone that was there at the battle um you know like if to me if it was a more widespread thing if it would, mm-hmm. it would be um or it, you know if everyone had part of it it'd be more widespread right like we'd be hearing yeah. stories all over the place of this awoken is started losing his mind and tearing him, tearing his eyeballs out or something. You know, this other Woken has ripped himself from limb to limb or something. But the only the only one we ever hear about is Aldrin, and that's that's to me. I, I'm curious if there's like a true. I I don't want to say connection because remember when Aldrin first gifted Riven to Mara, like he he gifted it to her as a baby, but. We don't know how long he had held on to it. Yeah. Yep. It's... We don't. We don't know what type of, what type of desire, what type of anything that that little baby Ahamkara could have could have implanted in him all those years ago. Because because the thing with wish dragons is like they there's no there's no limit to their desire granting bullshit <laughs> <laughs> yeah no this this could be a very long con wish um that's what i'm, that's, that's what I'm curious of i'm curious i'm because because we know that that the vault that riven is kept in in the in the dreaming city um is specifically there to keep her locked up and to keep her away from everyone yep because mara is the only one that this dragon cannot except for one time uh cannot feed off of Mm -hmm. Uh, and so that like like any exposure to this to said wish dragon i mean that like even a millisecond of of exposure to it and even a millisecond of wanting desire anything and we've seen that before too when we did our talk about uh, the dreaming city with Ilan and and you know that she wants and then that single want was a boom instant mm-hmm. even snapped around him like literally less than a, less than a second just one one little minuscule thing of want so at any point in time that Aldrin had been in contact with this Ahamkara all of that could have been the 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 long, long con. I, I like that wording for that. I, I yeah. That. Uh, I mean, th- this is a bit of a stretch, admittedly, but sure. it could have been something, you know, we know one of Aldrin's main desires is to be, uh, well, there, there's a couple of things I, I would believe, you know, one would be to uh, be accepted by his sister or, um, Another could could have been to, you know, all to to uh, always be by you know with Mara to to live on forever with Mara something along those lines. Sure. Which technically speaking, in it would be very Wish Dragon fashion, you know, monkey paw wish, to oh, uh, to have that that one desire lead to 
his corruption, untimely death, and then rebirth as a now immortal guardian that can spend forever with Mara. He just has no fucking clue who she is. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a stretch, but... That is some deep, (laughs) jacked-up shit, but that is absolutely what an Ahamkara would do. So... Needless to say, we don't we don't know how Riven first got to Aldrin, but she had plenty of opportunity prior to the battle to do so. Yeah. Um, We're gonna. I'm. I'm. Gonna, I'm gonna call it an infection. I'm gonna call it infecting Aldrin. I think that's a good way to look at it. Yeah. I, I know nobody can see me doing my bunny ears. My, my Air quotes. Yeah. Infected. Um, and, you know, th- this also makes me wonder, can Ahamkara read... I wonder if Ahamkara can, can read the minds of people that they are trying to feed on. Because, and I say this because, like, the Riven knew that she could not feed on Mara because Mara's confidence in obtaining the future she desired was absolute. Yep. Does that just anything, mean anything she willed into reality basically like she knew that yeah. it was going to come to pass. Yeah. Now does that mean that uh Riven would like attempt to feed and it just wouldn't work? Or does that mean Riven knew the future that Mara had planned? Like how how much can because if she knew that Morrow's intention was to, you know, go down against Oryx to to enter the Ascendant Realm. Uh, could she have used that knowledge? You know, how how f- far in advance would she have known that? Could she have used that knowledge, you know, to her own ends? Um, Dude, we don't even know. The, the so so the big thing that that I and and now that we've just completely derailed from alternate oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. uh the, like the always thing that I, that, like always uh <laughs> choo choo track two um the thing that uh i've always noticed with on cars is you do have to be in a fairly close proximity to them for that desire thing to happen that's so true that's that's where that's thus far where i don't I, I right right every everything we've seen so far but we don't like what you're saying. We don't know how much time they can see forward if they can even see. Like, like we know we know the Vex's domain is time. Like everything about the Vex is time. Um, we know that 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 a Ahamkara has messed. We we know that they've messed around with Vex. We know that one had one became a Vex and allowed. I think it was what uh, Maya Sundaresh to sit there and study it. Um, I mean that like we don't we don't know how much of of that level of wish magic is like like we just don't know it, there's so yeah. much unknown about it yeah but uh so to to not derail too much right at the get-go here um okay. we're, we're gonna steer back we're gonna keep all that in mind we're gonna steer back into into the main lane here uh so aldrin uh, is hearing is hearing Mara is starting to become in denial. You know she can't be dead. She can't be dead. She's still out there waiting for me. Uh, and that that's an important distinction. He, it's not just that he believes she's alive, and it's not just that he believes you know 
he he denies her death it's that she's out there waiting for me to come save her yeah uh that that becomes his new kind of his new purpose in life is to find does and it, save his sister does it become his new desire <laughs> uh <laughs> But, um, so to that end, Ultron starts taking really some desperate measures. Uh, uh, one of the very first things he does is he finds the, um, after he's got his ship fixed and he's been searching, uh, it's implied he's been searching on his own for her, um, unsuccessfully, uh, and so finally he's driven to the point where he decides, okay, I need, I need resources. I need more people. Um, and so what he does is he goes to the house of Kings, the, the fallen house of Kings, which every time Aldrin or Crow has an interaction with the fallen, it just, it loops me back to that line from Mara about like, you have found, you have truly now found your people. Uh, yeah. And he he always turns to the Elixni first, or or seemingly turns to the Elixni first. Which, which is is very odd to to have that disconnect from the Awoken, but to have such a connection with the Elixni. Right. I'm, I'm curious as to what it what it is about the Elixni that keeps drawing him in. It uh yeah it's. I don't know if it's just uh, he sees like kindred spirits in their kind of struggle for survival or or what, but yeah, he is always kind of identified. Uh, I don't want to say maybe identified with them more so than the Awoken, but he's always kind of like felt more at home with them, seemingly. Yeah. Um, so he goes to the House of Kings, and the the. <laughs> the Kel of the House of Kings in kind of a backhanded compliment way <laughs> essentially tells Aldrin like you you are the only one honorless enough to be able to lead us <laughs> uh, which was, was interesting um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, the the reasoning that the the Kel gave and and the um he didn't want just the kings but he he wanted Aldrin to unite all fallen houses, um, essentially saying you know, I uh, every house has its own rules and its own grudges and its own politics, you know you are ruthless enough and disconnected enough from the interpoliticking of the Elixni culture to serve as a leader for all of them. Um, and that's, that's more or less what, what he does or what he attempts to do. Uh, and you know, so they, he, he leads the Kings and, and gathers up other fallen houses. And, uh, if I remember correctly, this is, uh, the beginning of the house of dusk. Um, I, I believe that's what this, this grouping of fallen houses becomes is, is they all form under a single banner, which is house of dusk. Uh, and, um, 
Aldrin, as as he you know is gathering these fallen houses, his his goal is still purely to use them as resources to search for for Mara. Yeah. Um, his goal is still just to to use them as a, a means to an end. Um, and even while he's going out and gathering these fallen and and using them to to perform searches, he's. Uh, He's still like she's always at the forefront of of his um, of his motivations. Uh, there's a passage here. He says he feels her in his heart. She is still out there. She needs him more than ever. In the pit of his suffering, her voice came clearly to him, like the way she once appeared to him while he was being beaten to a pulp in a zero g brawl. She is out there waiting for him, and everything will be all right. He will be there for her. It will be all right. So he's. Uh, the the reference to the zero g brawl is all the way back to their their pre awoken days. So he still has all those memories. Like he still knows you know their relationship all the way back to to you know. Because that's, that was then. something that we never mentioned before. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of amazed we missed it in all these talks. Uh, back on the on the X's green, there's an underground fight club. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and Aldrin was kind of a kind of a badass in love there. It. and would kick some ass every Tuesday night type thing like <laughs> bring it on all comers like ha 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 <laughs> it, that loops back to he he identified himself by what he would what he could live through uh, and in a lot of those fights it, it wasn't even that he won necessarily because he was you know, stronger and burlier. It was mostly because he could just take more hits than they could. Yeah. Uh, like he he would be a mess at the end, but he'd still be the last one standing. And I, uh, I don't know if that's like a tolerance for pain thing or just a nah. <laughs> right. Like it could could be either way. Um, but so so he he has memory of of those times still, even in this state that he's in. Um. And, you know, but, but he says it again, she's out there waiting for him and everything will be all right. He will be there for her. It will be all right. Like he is, he is painting himself as her savior. He is, he is painting himself as, uh, you know, this, this will be the moment that she accepts him because he's going to swoop in and save the day and rescue her after all her plans have, have fallen to pieces kind of, kind of thing. Um, yeah. which, you know, un- unfortunately for him is not, not true at all. <laughs> uh, so in the process of his search, he has been tearing the reef apart with, uh, this, with these, these fallen houses that are now under him. Um, so to the point of even like pushing Petrovinge out yeah, he he's really holding no quarter even when it comes to the Awoken people at this point. Um, he's going to find his mind. Like, that's... No, nothing else is, is above that. Yeah, and, uh, and he has... I don't know if it's nightly, but there's a lot of passages about... Um, him waking up in the middle of the night or having dreams about her or, you know, getting 
getting little glimpses of her or hearing whispers of here. Um, and uh, the, the first time that he gets, I think, anything concrete uh, from these whispers and from these, these dream visions and whatnot, um, it talks about he is in his bunk uh, in the catch that you know he is leading uh, this, these fallen houses from. Uh, just kind of like uh, not asleep, very distraught. Um, and it says, Mara, he shouts up into the starlight. He has come too far to beg now. He's done too much. He demands her answer. I'm not angry. I forgive you for, for sacrificing yourself to them. But you must answer me now. Am I on the right path? Am I nearer to finding you? So he's getting very desperate at this point. Um, he's like, you know, I've been, I've, I've been combing the reef. I've been tearing it apart. I have the elixir at my beck and call to help me, and still I'm finding nothing. You know, show, give me a sign. Essentially, uh, is is kind of where he's at. Uh, Mara, he cries, blinking against the persistent soreness in his right eye. Sister, have you forsaken me? Something answers him. Uh, and that's that's where that particular lore card ends, on that something answers him. Uh, so this, I think, is where, you know, we, we've seen him spiraling as far as his personality and as far as his desperation. Um, but... I don't know if it was a conscious decision or if it was a, a need to build strength or build connection or, or what, but um, in in kind of the height of that desperation is when Riven decides to lay that, you know, give, give a tangible breadcrumb to make him think that Mara is still around uh, and that she's actively trying to communicate with him. Um, and, and, and more than, more than just what he's been hearing up to this point, like, it's like a full on, like, like he gets an answer for, from yeah, his, he, his he, question. He cries out in his bunk, no, to Mara, you know, just, I mean, just literally laying in his bunk, screams out, Mara, hear me type thing. And then <laughs> in my head, the, the thing goes, yeah, I heard yeah. you. What do you want? <laughs> right here. <laughs> Right here. I haven't gone nowhere. It's right here. Hey, bro. Still here, you. Well, what's up? Uh, yeah. Just, no, that's not that. That's not. It's just I just went down the corner and get cigarettes. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> but uh. <laughs> but so he he gets a response. He finally gets a response, and um. He he follows kind of this this voice this little this uh, this whisper on the wind that is answering him, um, and the the voice leads him to uh, eventually to come upon the body of a recently dead archon. I. He, well, I'll just read this passage because it, it, 
says a lot. Say, was he dead or, or, or is he? Uh, he was, he was, I think when, when Aldrin found him, he was mortally wounded and was like okay. dying. Uh, it is implied if I recall correctly and we'll, we'll see here. Um, that, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so he finds this archon. He triage, triages the archon's wounds. Mortal. The victim is shaking now, trembling under Aldrin's hands. He wants so badly to do something, anything, to ease the poor soldier's passing. To have the power some say his sister had. To save people just by proximity. Does he wish it? Does he wish to save this poor thing? He does. He does. His that, eyes burn. That real quick. Does he wish it? Does he wish to save this poor thing? He does. He does. In this excitement. Oh, a wish. A desire. A feeding. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very, very much uh, Riven at play here, which is interesting considering the result we get. So, uh, his eyes burn with sympathetic tears as he works to bind the Archon's wounds. His hands are quick and gentle, and he weeps with the strength of his hatred for the guardians that did this. As tears stain the Archon's wounds, the ether rolling through Aldrin's fingers slowly grows heavier, darker, more noxious. He does not notice. Finally, he leans back to smear his knuckles across his eyes. Sore. They're always so sore. Under the unmarked helmet, four dead eyes. Open and wonder so this is the rebirth of Fickrel the fanatic um and not not like there there's so much in this so the the first one the first one that, that comes to me obviously is wish magic boom straight up mm-hmm. instantaneous wish magic right there the the next thing that comes to me is the is the ether becoming more noxious so this this is literally the creation of dark ether. Yes. And what I find incredibly fascinating about this. So um his eyes burn with sympathetic tears as he works to bind the archon's wounds. Uh he weeps with the strength of his hatred for the guardians that did this. So he he is literally crying over the body of of this archon. Um this, you know, proud elixney that has been in his eyes, mindlessly slaughtered by these, you know, these butchers with, with powers. Uh, and it, it is the, the scene has brought him to tears and it talks about how, you know, his eyes, uh, his eyes are always sore. And in the cut scenes that we get in forsaken, his eyes consistently have that like black, inky mist in them uh and it's implied during forsaken that like that blackness is darkness it is a manifestation of darkness in some way um so his tears i'm wondering is he literally crying darkness and that darkness that clarity is mixing with the ether and turning into dark ether. Holy shit. Cause yeah. That's, 
dark like plus a. a equals b. Yep. Uh, yep. That's and that's and and shit. <laughs> my first <laughs> my first thought is like, where is this darkness coming from? And, yes. And, and like, where is it? Is it is it literally being generated? But then we know that awoken people are of light and dark. They were born out of the the boop, the light and darkness. Yes, they have they both have inside of them. Both inside of them. Now, we also look at guardians who wield the light, but darkness, we, we can also wield darkness. And, and we don't need any type of tool or anything to do that because the, the scene where, where our guardians with Aramis and and she's freezing us and, and, and we pull out our, our shard and she snatches it from us and shatters it. And then we hear the voice of Elsie, like in our mind, you know, look within and then you channel it and you shatter everything. And now, you, now you're wielding stasis without any help from anything. So it's, I'm curious if it's if the Awoken are the only people born – not born um, – of light and dark or, or if light and dark just literally reside in everything. And and we just have to figure out how to access it. Yeah, it's it's interesting because if we look at the Aramis uh, example, um, I don't know if you've noticed in any of the cutscenes or or have had reason to pay attention. Uh, Aramis also, and I think all of her lieutenants use shards of darkness to yep. use stasis. So. So they are not inherently wielding it, you know, naturally. And, and we know that the splicers didn't Needed. inherently wield light. They, yep. They they just they had to have the splicer gauntlet to wield it, to channel it, to do something with it. So that's 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 where I'm curious as as is that what the traveler found in us, the guardians, someone that could wield both light and dark just by by sheer force of will like like not needing any type of tools or or interface device to 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 access these these paracausal abilities but to just wield them more and more i think that's the case uh i think you know when when the traveler left the elixir during the the whirlwind their their collapse um I'm thinking now it wasn't necessarily because it went, oh shit, darkness is here. I'm a, I'm a run. You know, it, I don't think it was necessarily out of fear so much as it was out of like the realization that the civilization it was, it was watching over could not, could not use its abilities to could not use its power to the fullest extent. Like it, it may have known that Elixni are not compatible in the same way that humanity is to inherently have light or dark inside of them. They have to have an apparatus. They have to have something that it, that allows them to, to use it, that it, you know, flows through outside of themselves. Um, which, makes me kind of sad because it means we may never see Elixni <laughs> guardians. Never get uh, to play if, Damn if it. that is the, the direction they're going. 
but from a storytelling point of view, it would make sense why they why it ran. Uh, it left the Elixni because it knew that there would be no way for them to to truly use its powers, uh, and it stayed with humanity, uh, you know, to the point of severe injury to itself, um, because it it saw that capability maybe. But yeah, it's all all theory. But I, it is very interesting. Um, going back to Aldrin here, it's interesting. Where was this darkness just by nature being an awoken? I uh, I kind of lean towards maybe, but not entirely. Uh, because well, specific mention of this is true. They all started as humans. Um. But I, I'm leaning towards Riven having something to do with this, not only because of the wish, but also because of making very specific mention of his eyes, um, his eyes being sore, his eyes continuing you know, to bother him, and the darkness residing in his eyes in all of the cutscenes. And, like, that is not a is it... feature of the Awoken, traditionally. Right, right. And, and at this point in time... As, as as far as Riven and the Awoken City, Riven's been taken. Oh yes, yeah, no, like, she's taken like, quite some time this, ago. Yep, like when when Oryx extended his throne world in, and 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 they and the the Techians opened their portal to escape to to call back to call themselves back to the to the Dreaming City. That was that instance where that throne where his ascendant realm extended into the Dreaming City for just. I mean, we we have no amount of time that's 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 given, but I I believe it to be a very very short amount of time was just enough for him to be able to reach in, take Riven, and start the chaos that is taking Riven. Yeah, um, and and Oryx may have gone into the Dreaming City proper because it it kind of talks about him. Uh, you know, like st- almost storming the city, and yeah. you know, have you know that's well, he, that's why all the blights up, are there, and that's why. I was going to say, it, not just that, like the shattered realm itself. He is the reason the the shattered realm is shattered. Yeah, the shattered throne. Um, the shattered throne, shattered throne. Right. I need to start making that distinction because these are two different places now. These are two different <laughs> places. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, like yeah. he—he's the one that went in and wrecked everything in the Shattered Throne he in in decimated. Mara's throne world. Mara's throne world. Uh, and say, and then Savathun saw the opportunity to use that space to her advantage after the fact, um, which is how she ended up there. Yep. But so yeah, it's uh, we we don't we don't know exactly where this darkness came from, but. By nature of the wish, uh, Aldrin wept what I'm assuming were dark tears over the body of this Archon, created dark ether, which it turns out brings Elixni back to life. Uh, dead Elixni back to life. As the Scorn. Um, and the first one was was this Archon, was Fickrel, the fanatic who we all kill in strikes over and over and over. Uh, and it's interesting that he was the first and that he was reborn in this way 
because canonically, every time we go into a strike, uh, the fanatic strike to kill Fickroll, um, it's because he's constantly reviving himself. Uh, he does not have a ghost. He doesn't like something about the dark ether that he has is, is self rejuvenating or, or, you know, something. Here's, here's a, (laughs) we've always talked about ghosts and the light being all about resurrection. This is the one time that darkness, is about res- resurrection, and because and it and and I say this is the one time the entire race of scorn is this way, mm-hmm. because even on the glycons, every time they got killed, dark ether would just seep back into them and they come right back to life. Well, and there's experiments uh, later on um, that that we'll talk about a little bit where uh, they take dead elixney bodies and feed it dark ether and they come back alive as scorn um so, so, so this this is this is the i, I don't want to say the one time but this, this this is this is where it has me slightly questioning resurrection being tied solely to light it could also um that could also give us some some credence to maybe Nocris's necromancy is not of the light. Maybe it is also a form of dark resurrection. Uh, because in some ways, the the hive that he brought back were similar. Like we still don't know anything about the necromancy. We, don't we really it. don't. We don't know how it works. We, we don't know anything. True anything about it. Like we don't even have a. Is it light? Is it dark? Is it, is it hive? Is it magic? Is it corruption? Is, what is it? Like we don't even know. All we know is it's a heresy, and the 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 entire memory of Nocris was wiped from the hive people. Yep. But yeah. It's uh yeah. So I I think. I don't know. Maybe there's a little more to Dark Resurrection than we know. However, I will say a, a constant theme of the quote-unquote Dark Resurrections thus far seems to be, well, I say of Dark Resurrection, of Light as well, seems to be a loss of self. Um, because, you know, when when Scorn are, are brought back to life, they're more or less mindless things with the exception of Fickroll and the barons um but everything else are are just kind of animalistic in a lot of ways yeah. uh same thing with the resurrected hive that Nocris uh brings back with necromancy during the I forget the name of the strike but where he's the strike boss on Mars right. um it's always uh they're like you know they're they're kind of feral in some ways yes um like even in that strike they are more aggressive mm-hmm. than any than any other hot like i mean hive are normally pretty aggressive creatures especially especially in the way of 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 thrall and curse thrall um but like even in that one like the knights the acolytes they are very like they don't they don't stick to their normal tactics of like 
you know, duck behind cover and shoot a few rounds or something like that. They are constantly shooting at you that entire strike. They have no it, – it, I don't want to say it's no fear of death, but that's, that's almost what it seems like. It's just no fear of death. Yeah. Um, so in, in Dark Resurrections, if we're assuming that's what's happening, there's this loss of self – uh, it's kind of the same in light. We have loss of memory, which isn't as drastic as like turning in, you know, living off pure instinct, but it's right. still a pretty significant portion of a person that's just gone. Yeah. <laughs> Man, the resurrection might be bad just all the way around. Like, maybe so. Light, light, dark, doesn't matter. Resurrection, bad. Sword logic might actually be... Maybe they're all the baddies. Like... <laughs> Maybe we're the baddies. We don't know anymore. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, this is what brings uh, Frickle the Fanatic to life. Uh, Aldrin has another desire after this this revival. He desires to um, keep the Awoken safe. And in his twisted way of thinking about that, he decides, well, secrets. Secrets are always safe. Um, and uh, I, I almost read this passage as like he's kind of gone a little manic. <laughs> in oh, some absolutely. ways. Uh, I, think, I think by this point in time, I don't want to say he's completely lost his mind, but he's, he's completely lost his mind. Like yeah. He's, 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 he's almost to the point of, and, and we, talk, we talked about that earlier too, about how he's, you know, it, it's, it's reverse, um, uh, what do we call it? Reverse griefing. Mm-hmm. Like, now he's moving into the manic stage of like just complete and utter chaos. Yeah. So remember up until this point, this is a man that uh, has been patrolling the reef with a bunch of space pirates, essentially fallen um, tear, tearing it apart, searching for his dead sister, not caring who gets in his way, awoken or otherwise, um, and now, now he's, after he's been doing that for some time, he like has this epiphany. He leaps to his feet. Yes. He wants something again, wants more than to lie here numbly. He wants to show his face to his awoken people. He wants the fanfare played at his welcome. He wants to make a speech accepting the kingship. He wants to terrify and stir his people with the ferocity of his need to save Mara. The Awoken have survived so much. He will tell them that they do not need to survive anymore. That the end is coming. The end of the long plan. So he starts... Th this and whole that, passage that, starts in one uh, direction and ends in another. <laughs> and, and that whole thing started off of a single line of come home. It's time to come home and take your crown. Mm -hmm. which is, that's literally Riven telling him, get your ass back here. Yeah, like, like come come back to the Dreaming City. Come back uh, to the Dreaming City. 
definitely need a uh, need something out of you. <laughs> so it's interesting. There's 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 two. I don't want to say juxtapositions ideas here, but it, his his lot his leaps in logic to get from point A to point B are, you know, understandably disturbing. Uh, <laughs> so his he has the desire keep the awoken safe safe like secrets, and the way that he seems to internalize that to himself is the way to keep the Awoken secret is to stop them from existing. <laughs> <laughs> is is to... to... It's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> just just a little. Happen? Just it's a little. Nobody could kill them after he's killed all of them. <laughs> right? Um, but he, he's, he describes this like... You know, this in my head, I see it as like this big parade, and you know, this big like the the prince has come home and and is being crowned the new king, and makes this this huge speech about I will save you know our queen, I will find Mara, uh, and he says the Awoken have survived so much, he will tell them that they do not need to survive anymore, that the end is coming, the end of the long plan. Uh, he has seemed to latch onto this idea that Mara's master plan involves the end of the Awoken race. To, to kill everyone. <laughs> um, Maybe not necessarily to kill, just to end all of them. <laughs> I, I guess... Maybe in his twisted logic, he identifies that Mara... Uh, like relied on and uh, you know w- w- wielded secrets essentially like she wielded mystery in in her ruling and in his twisted head he has decided that the ultimate secret the ultimate you know mystery would be the mystery of the awoken people after they no longer exist. Uh, that is brilliant. That is literally brilliant. That is like, that's next level mystery shit. But at the same time, <laughs> I mean, what what greater secret than that of, of a dead people? Like, I mean, we even even we as, as kind of stepping out of the game for a bit, we as humans, when we look at, at prior society, we still have very, very little knowledge of things like uh, of of like the Incas, the Mayans, the there's so many races and and cultures that that ancient ancient cultures and ancient uh, races that we we have we have nothing to even go off of, and it's it's interesting to me to to think of the Awoken like that too of of you know if if I can create this ultimate secret because obviously like you said Mara. Mara loves a good secret, uh, and that ultimate secret is, you know, the mystery of the Awoken. Like, and and it's funny too because even even we as guardians, uh, uh... all right, here we go. So yeah, he he orders the the Elixir to fly on the Vestian outpost, um, 
I'll say the uh, Elixni under his command, specifically the previous Kel of the House of Kings. Uh, not too hot on the idea. <laughs> is uh, hey, it's uh, like um, no, we we got a good thing going. Like, <laughs> uh, and there's the literally the left, and it's called a stronghold for a reason. So you know, maybe we keep doing the space pirate thing that's been working real well for us, and like, yeah. Uh, Aldrin not not very happy to hear this. Uh, his his internal monologue is uh, insubordination. She would never have tolerated this. Ah, Aldrin says, careful to keep his voice light. Yes, of course. The itch in his eyes resume, and he discovers that he has a new desire, a new thing he fiercely wants. So this, this is just this is just a buffet now. For yeah, he is like, turned into a full court like sixty course buffet meal. Like, oh, you want this now, huh? Oh, you want this? Now? Oh, all right, I can take a snack now. He is just unabashedly desiring the world in yeah. in various ways i Anything. i want this i want that desire this desire that wish okay sure boom yeah sure um and uh and so he he has this interaction with the the Kelv kings and uh the Kelv house kings and uh pretty shortly after that he goes and speaks to fickrel um, who has, from the sound, they, they haven't, they don't say specifically, but it sounds like Fickrel's kind of joined the crew, um, is very loyal to Aldrin, but is, is around as a presence within these, this Elixney force. Uh, and Aldrin speaks to Fickrel about the future he wants for the Awoken. Uh, they can all die. They can they can die for all I care, he says, with a viciousness he never expected of himself. Didn't he want to save his people? No, no. Mara was willing to destroy them for her purposes. The Awoken have no value at all, except in service of her design. If some part of them survives, it will be the worthy part. So, that's very sword logic. And then the next one. The next line. Does, Does he, he wish, wish for a woken extinction? extinction? Is that what he truly wishes? And it's just there's so much ribbon happening now. Like it's just it's just blatant left and right ribbon. It's like oh yeah, ribbon might as well be on the ship with me at this point. I love how they never answer that one either. They don't. And All the other ones, it's it's very much a he does he does or. Oh, yes, no, he, he, yeah. he wants this. Yeah, he has a new desire, yeah. Um, and this no one, it asks... no answer. It asks the question, but there's no answer, which I would like to believe implies that somewhere deep down he doesn't want to, you know, commit genocide on his own people. That's, that, to me, is, like, the, the funny thing about the desire and the, and the, wish, the wish magic itself. Like, it, can it... Can even the desirer manipulate it? Like, is it is it something that even even as the person well, that is desiring something, 
have the desire and then have a manipulation on the desire yes. to a point where it turns the desire sideways. I think so, because I, I, I think that's the entire premise of the wish wall. It, Mara is able to deliver instructions on a wish with such clarity and leaving no room for interpretation that she is, I would say, manipulating that wish to be what she wants it to be, not what the Ahamkara wants it to be. That, yet, yet the Ahamkara is still complying with her wish. So I wonder if it's compulsory for the Ahamkara. If, if they don't have a choice in what they fulfill or don't fulfill, it's just they they have to respond. Because otherwise, why would Riven do half the things she's done for Mara? You know, prior like, prior to her corruption. Why, why would any Ahamkara do anything? Yeah, I like, mean, like, on, on one hand, out of... I think Riven was definitely doing... Was being around Mara out of curiosity. Out of this, like, oh, I can't... I can't do anything to you. Like, what are you kind of, you know, situation. So so I think, I think a big thing with that is, is that desire is that feeding. I think there is that just, just like we talked about how like the worms, Mm -hmm. uh, they, they're, the worms have that same devour, that same hunger that they are feeding off of what, what they are granting. And so that's, I, I think that that is a true Ahamkara's, I, I don't want to say like like their purpose or whatever. It, it's it's like their that's their true motivation behind granting these desires uh, or wishes as we so affectionately call them. It is it is an actual feed. Is is an actual whatever it is that that they are granting is physically nourishing them. At least that's what I think. No, I I think you're on track there. I I think they need it to survive at least in a corporeal form um and and maybe even beyond that maybe they need it to continue to exist even like within their bones um you know and and that because we we know we don't know how corporeal an ahamkara is or even a worm is right like well we we know they can they can change shapes because uh yeah, you have um, Zol, who becomes the Whisper of the Worm Gun, and who uh, Nocris is able to feel Zol's consciousness within the Ascendant Plane, it as the Whisper of the Worm Gun. But when Nocris tries to make a connection, you know, like make a psychic connection, Zol pulls away. Yeah. So like, there's there is some semblance of that entity still there in a completely different inanimate, you know, form. Holy cow. And every, every time, every single episode, I get my mind blown. Um, (laughs) I'm left speechless. (laughs) I'm curious if that is literally needed by the Ahamkara or the worm to to actually exist in our plane of existence. That would be very possible. 
Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 so. All right. Uh, we, we know that the worms are described as uh, beings of the deep. If we assume of, if we assume the deep is a place, is, is darkness the place, the, the, the realm of existence, then perhaps those worms require feeding to exist outside of the deep, outside of their, their realm. At the same time, uh, it's a little more of a stretch, but we have Mithrax, uh, his, his quote-unquote new dialogue, dialogue that showed up at the end of Season of the Splicer um, after the last mission, yeah. where he is mentioning Skira as Skira as a um and he's talking about it in in a, a legend sense the same way that we would talk about um you know minotaurs and goblins and and dragons from the medieval ages kind of thing uh but he's referring to Skira as a uh, a a thing of uh I believe he refers to it as a flying a flying beast it, it, very reminiscent of of a dragon if i recall correctly but he says that skira used to be things of of nightmares that used to um you know take take their uh their nightmares their their fears and turn them real but but that when uh the traveler came the elixni just stopped believing in the Skira, and by proxy, the Skira disappeared. Holy shit. So, I, on, shit. on one hand, I wonder, you know, Skira could have been Ahamkara feeding off of... But we've never seen Ahamkara feed off fear, per se, but it's not beyond the realm of possibility. Um... And we, if we know that they feed off the desire, they the desire itself is that it to me is that feed. Like, yes. Like yeah. The, the the worms the worms feeding is is um, oh God, I was talking about it before and I'm drawing a blank again. But it, the word the the worms have a feeding off of uh, different different aspects. So like it's like off of a tithe of some sort. Yeah. Um, yep. So like for Oryx, it was knowledge. He, mm-hmm. he literally had to keep consuming knowledge to keep his worm fit. For for um, Sabathun, it's the trickery, it's the deception, it's the it's the you know that, that the the ignorance of others. Yeah, ignorance that yes. And so we know that each of those worms have some sort of feeding to them. Whereas the 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 Ahamkara, all of them seem to feed off of desire specifically. Every time every time a, a feeding is mentioned for an ahamkara it is literally they 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 are they they have they 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 see that want they see that desire and it it say it, it they they just start like basically foaming at the mouth mm-hmm. like oh my god i gotta feed i gotta feed i gotta feed i gotta feed and so like that it it if and this is gonna try to i'm gonna try to draw like a, a conclusion here but or, <laughs> or, or a connection here whatever you want to call it if that fear, like we know, at least at least I feel, fear 
has some sort of desire with it. Like, typically, it's a desire to end the fear. Now, how that desire yeah. is interpreted by the Ahamkara would be up to the Ahamkara. And, and that, that to me... Desire like, for safety, yeah. Desire for safety, desire for existence, desire for whatever. It's just a desire. They don't. The Ahamkara itself doesn't give a shit what you're desiring. It just it sees the desire, it feeds. It, it makes it happen with its little monkey, monkey fist paw thing. Magic shit. Go. You know, like, like that's, that's, yeah. So here's, here's, uh, the, the little. Oh my God. That, so, okay. If they disappeared and, and ceased to exist, that implies that the light is a place. Mm Mm-hmm. So we have the deep as the location or a and of we have the deep wow. and we have the sky. Get the fuck out of here. All the way back in Fundament, they called the traveler a servant of the sky. Get the fuck out of here. Dude, this is this, we've got all right. We are so off track. Completely <laughs> derail completely now. Like we're the train is upside down and driving on the ceiling now. That's what's happening. Um <laughs> This this is this has a lot of implications if this is a thing. Now that this that's one thing that <laughs> we do need to kind of state out here in the beginning. This is a theory. All this theory. A, this, All theory. Yes. This is a tinfoil hat theory. But if in three months they come out and go, or or a light fall happens and and it's literally the fall of the realm of light and we go to a realm of light. I'm calling it right now. We figured it out tonight. <laughs> this is another prediction we're doing here on Myths and Stories. But holy crap, does that have some implications if that's a thing? Yeah. I I, I kind of want to think that it is now. Um, and and we, we drew all the parallels between uh, the worms and the Ahamkara a, a few episodes ago. Uh, we've restated some of them here. If if the worms are of the deep, then their their mirror would make sense to be the Ahamkara, which would be of the sky of the light. Uh, and if the worms, if we're under the assumption that if the worms cannot feed that, or the worm gods at least cannot feed, that they, you know, would return to some non corporeal form. Uh, Ahamkara, in a very similar sense, if maybe if they could not feed, or or when their corporeal form is is killed, they also return to some kind of non-corporeal form, um, which we know. I, I we have examples of both with the whisper of the worm gun, as well as the touch of malice being Oryx doing the same exact thing. Uh, oh and all the Ahamkara Dude, this, bones. We've got We've got We've got to have this. This. We've got to be on to something. I think so. We've got to be on to something. I think we're on to something. I, I, I definitely think we're on to something here. Like this is, this is, this is some crazy shit we're coming up with. But it, it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not that far out, right? Like this is, this is all the, all the little data points that we've been pulling together. 
um, even even over these last nine episodes that we've done of, of just myths and stories of the, the series, this is nuts, man. Like we are, <laughs> we're pulling at strings and shit's coming unraveled right before us, and I love it. This I absolutely love that. Now we're gonna find out in two years that we are completely wrong, and yeah. everything is <laughs> everything is different than what we're theorizing. But uh, it I turns out we're just a speck of dust circling fundament, and fundament was just the analogy of the Milky Way, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That no. turns out to be true. I'm quitting. Quitting. <laughs> no, I'm out of here. Yeah, I started so, doing so, so Final the, Fantasy so lore. Oh shit. <laughs> Damn it. I'd do that. I would do that too. God damn it. Um, so let's pull this train off the ceiling now and yep. put it back on the track and gotta get back to Uldren <laughs> since we've just completely left him out in the dark. Or left him our, out, uh, out, out, out in nowhere land. Yeah. Our bonus episode was, was in the middle this time. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bonus trivia part was right in the middle. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, so Aldrin, Aldrin and his itchy eyes and this and this want and the, and his desires and and wishing for ex, ex, awoken extinction, but that not truly what he wishes. Not having an answer for that. Um, and he tells, uh, he tells the, the he tells that that they have work to do. Yeah, he says um, we have work to do. He tells Fickrel the House of Kings has become inconvenient to my plans i wish to he wags his knife divest divest uh so he has essentially given fickrel uh permission to kill off anyone in the house of kings that's gonna get in their way um from uh, driving straight at the vestian outpost uh which uh, Fickrel proceeds to do <laughs> essentially he yeah. he makes uh anyone that will not subjugate to aldrin is is killed and in many cases is then revived with dark ether to become a scorn yeah. uh so through one way or another aldrin has gathered his army essentially or, or is in the process of gathering his army um now it's it's unclear exactly when this bit happens it chronologically in the in the lore cards it happens after as fickerel is is taking care of things for aldrin um but it seems odd yeah it, it seems odd that it would happen at this point so i'm i'm not i'm not real sure uh this might have happened earlier um, and it just tells us about it now. But uh, essentially, Aldrin tracks down the Techians, the surviving Techians, in his search for Mara, um, believing that they have something to do with her, her whereabouts. Uh, so admit it. Admit that you trapped my sister in the Dreaming City. I did not. Ilan says, she is not trapped, Aldrin, she is dead. Aldrin knows the truth now, and he wants things to be right. He wants it so fiercely that he knows nothing he does in pursuit of this want can be wrong. 
Which lies, he spits venomous, she is alive. Illin measures him in silence for a while. Then, we knew you would come, she tells him with quiet, calm defiance. You're lost, Aldrin. At the edge of sight, Mara watches him with all the heartbroken concern and tender care he has always wanted from her. So, he's tracked down the Techians, thinking that uh, they have that they are preventing him from seeing Mara, that they have imprisoned her in the Dreaming City. With some, um, some sort of Techian magic. Which, right. Or what he believes is some sort of Techian magic. And he's, he is so convinced of this, uh, and he wants it so fiercely that he knows nothing he does in pursuit of this want can be wrong. He is justified everything to himself on such a dangerous level that he he believes himself uh correct no matter what he does at this point um and i i thought this was was interesting uh the wording here because we have seen this word so much now looking at aldrin and mara uh way before this season ever happened um they say you are lost aldrin uh consistently we see that come up in relation to mara and aldrin i think more so aldrin than mara but always always that they are lost that you know that they're they are searching for something or they're aspiring for something but they have lost their way and it seems very fitting that the season of the lost is when we are starting to see, you know, them become, you know, front and center characters. Uh, I feel like there's, I think, I think, I think some shit is going to go down this season that is going to be game breaking. I feel. I definitely get the feeling that season of the lost because they use that word so much in relation to these two, that there is there is a lot more to this season's name than just finding some quote unquote lost Techians. Uh, or, or even or even when we talked about Shirido, how her her final entry was that she's lost, lost, fell, fell draw or, or loose, fell lost. Yeah, like not not dead, but the fact that it says lost and and in um, in uh, uh, Shattered uh, Throne. Well, not in Shattered Throne. Not in Shattered Throne. Sorry, the the way that it's the way that it's printed. In the, in oh, the, in the nine. Yes. Right. Yeah. So in, in speech of the nine, uh, like and and even even the nine are are kind of. I mean, we could say they're lost, but they, they're. We really still don't have any clue anything about the nine. Like we, we know Mars had some interaction with them, and 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 we know that that. Uh... I think the nine are just so far. They are beings so. So different from our reality, that um. It communication, let alone understanding, is is difficult to say the least 
Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, the whole thing the whole thing with it with this being season lost and we keep seeing that that word lost a lot. I I there's there's so much that that I think is going to come out of the season that is Yeah. We we're not even we're not even we're barely scratching the surface and and we're only in movie 4. <laughs> very long season. Very long uh, season. There, there, I, still plenty of surprises. Oh, there is. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, we and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that about that season, you know, the the current season as well as some of the previous seasons here. Um, just just touch on a little bit. But uh, so after Aldrin has this confrontation with Ilian. Um, where he he essentially takes her denial as proof that he's right. You know, he is so so delusional at this point um, that he makes a decision to turn himself in. Uh, it's interesting because we don't we don't see a record of a battle or of it's, it's so weird like it's of a, like it's just suddenly he's he's being escorted off a ship yep um and it's, it's, it's so because he even like he even comes to petra and and there's a there's a i know i know there's a scene where where he's kind of like whispering to petra from the shadows and she like turns and he's gone already and and uh like there's there's so much that that is just he is he's lost it he is yeah. completely 100% lost. And I don't think of it so much as lost his will or anything like that. He he's lost his mind. He's his mind is genuinely gone by now. Yeah, he is so the only thing that exists for him is this delusional search for his sister to to be her savior. Um and he he has literal visions of her um via riven but uh this is this is where you know it's it started as whispers and then it turned into actual like a voice calling him and now he's seeing you know representations of her out of the corner of his eye and they're very intentionally manipulative representations um you know, at the edge of sight, Mara watches him with all the heartbroken concern and tender care he has always wanted from her. Like, mm-hmm. Riven knows what his desire is to, you know, to to receive familial love and affection from his sister. And so she's playing into that. Um, but regardless, he uh, he ends up captured in in ways that are unknown i'm thinking this was intentional that he he turned himself in intentionally absolutely well because the 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 very last line of of that particular lore card is uh that evening he surrenders himself to the reef yes uh and so this this the first bit of this lore card uh, they take him in with a full strike team, and one of the snipers, joining Aldrin and his jailers at the extraction point, looks him full in the eyes, like he's asking a question. A tall man with a long rifle, narrow, intelligent eyes, handsome. Is he 
Did Aldrin want something from him once? Something important? So this this is Joel. That's Joel. That's, he... that's 100% Joel. Like, the long rifle, everything about it, like, that's Joel seeing a his, essentially what his brother, what, what he considered his brother, gone. Yeah. And, and solidified further by the fact that this being told from Aldrin's point of view, Aldrin doesn't doesn't, doesn't recognize even, who this is. Doesn't you know. have a clue who it is. Complete, complete and utter, just no idea. So he's he's so far gone he cannot recognize you know his his brother in arms essentially, um, and it all literally mm-hmm. tore through the entire black garden together like yeah they used they used to be you know we we talked about this last episode they used to be sniper friends they they very very close friends very very connected and now he he's just it's just a escort even, in the jail phase him. Like, just another escort so um it's also worth mentioning that at this point in time and i think this is probably the main reason why aldrin allowed himself to be captured uh all of the barons from uh, all the barons from Forsaken are already imprisoned in the prison of elders at the time that Aldrin is captured yep. with the exception of Fickrell. Um, and that was something that uh, Cade and Petra did. Yes. So they they had hunted them down and hunted them down and captured all of them, brought them all to the prison of elders, locked them up. Cause it, the, the prison of elders is, is very much that it is a, it is a literal prison in the reef. Uh, uh, in, in D one, it was a, it, we, we got to visit it as a, um, we, we kill Skolas there. Um, we, we fight taken there. I mean, it, there's so much that happens in the prison of elders back in D one. And this, this, like the, the, the area they're even bringing them to in the prison of elders is like the highest security. Like what, what we would consider like Alcatraz Island type thing, um, which is the very, very lowest level of uh, the prison of elders. Yeah. So they've been, you know, here for an unknown amount of time, but uh, Aldrin seemingly knows that these these barons are are here, uh, and I, I am pretty confident that he's planning on breaking them out in some fashion, uh, and that's why he allowed himself to be captured. Um, and I I don't know if it was part of his plan or not, um, but Varix actually is the one that makes this prison break possible. Um, Varix is allowed, uh, or is convinced to allow a prison break uh, via uh, visions of the prophecy of the Kell of Kells. Uh, And I was trying to decipher Varix's logic here. Uh, (laughs) He believes it's his duty to align the Elixni people using dark ether. So, so at, at this point in time, he is he is um, of house judgment, right? 
Right. He's still, you know, the the House Judgment representative um, uh, on the reef, the but same not, that he was in D1. But not, but not Kel of House of Judgment. No. I think he's just a scribe at this point. He's just a scribe. Okay. So... I'm not sure what Varix's motivations were, to be honest. Um, he was shown what Dark Ether does. Like, he saw experiments where, uh, I think it was, I think it was Fickrel or so, somebody, one of the Barons, um, essentially, like, showed him Dark Ether, showed what it did and how it brought life back to these dead elixni and i i think that varix may have seen that as a a sign of like oh this is a power similar to the light that we that we can have sure um and you know was was misguided in that and believed that okay with having this ability having this ability to resurrect my fallen comrades uh feeds into the prophecy of you know being the kel of kells which is kind of the 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 king of all elixni um and all and all through and and we know a little bit about kel of kells uh prophecy from d1 mm -hmm. because all throughout the uh the um uh the house of wolves uh campaign he, the whole time you're hunting down Skolas, and Skolas desires to be the Kel of Kells, and we know that's like, that's like their version of God, essentially, like the greatest. Yeah. And maybe not God. God's probably a, a strong word there for that. But but their version of like the great uniter, the the one the one being that can that can bring all the Elixir people together as one. And, yep. and not be any more divided and not divided into multiple houses. Yeah, we'll unite all the houses under a single banner and bring yep. like true unity. Uh and Varix at the time at least believes that this dark ether holds that potential. Yeah. Um and so he instigates a prison break uh he essentially unlocks all the doors and you know just walks out of the prison <laughs> uh, like that it, like it's so to me it's like so mind-boggling like they're truly they're it's weird to me to think that the, his only desire was to was to see this kelikel things happen like he he sees the dark ether and he's like oh prophecy let's go like these Baron are meant to be here to bring about the Kel of Kells, you know, like this, this is how this is going to come about. And then to just go out and be like, um, I mean, I'm kind of in charge of this prison, so I'm just going to start opening doors. Of, yeah. You know, the, the, what nine most wanted people of the reef of, of the soul system. Yeah. Like, like it, it's a, it's a bit of a, very confusing time and and then the next time we see him he's being chased down by aramis and we're like we should kill you <laughs> and he's just like hold on i understand but, but 
let me make a counter offer uh yeah it's i'm part of me thinks that yeah to to be a little meta about it i forsaken was really when their narrative team was was really firing on all cylinders like really started to to spin up some of these stories and i do wonder if they hadn't really decided where varix's character was going to go at the time (laughs) and so it's hard to do at any time and and like i said to to beam it to step out of the yeah for a bit to look at it as a video game and go okay what the hell do we do with this character like he was he was very instrumental during this and he was very helpful and now we need a reason to use him again. <laughs> Part of me believes that's that's probably at least some of the the truth of of why <laughs> this came down the way it did. Um, yeah. My head cannon, though, to make up for that, is gonna be that uh, you know by nature of Riven's wish magic, it it made these events unfold. Uh, <laughs> wish magic. Wish magic. Wish magic fixes all inconsistencies. Uh, I do like this theory. If, if only Star Wars had Ahamkara. Oh, <laughs> but they do, right? That's, no, no, that... no. This is a this is this is a Destiny podcast. We're seeing <laughs> if we start derailing to other other sci-fi, that's when I know we've derailed too much. Yes, we've we've gotten off the train and onto an airplane at that point. Exactly. Uh, train on the water boat on the tracks yeah, that's that's happened uh so yeah so so prison prison riot prison break prison break barracks is behind all of it um opens all the doors to all the barons they let they get loose yeah which uh is then where we come in we is the guardian uh, and say so this this is what kicks off the events of Forsaken, um, which you know to to go over a little bit. Uh, I'm gonna assume that most people are familiar at least with the main story beats, um, but in case spoilers. you haven't, yeah, spoilers. In case you haven't yeah. played any of it, uh, and say so your guardian goes there with. With Cade Six to assist Petra with quelling this this prison riot, um, and Cade is ambushed by all the barons at the same time, along with a number of a ton of scorn, a ton of scorn, um, and it's he probably one of one of the I say one of the most emotional scenes in in Destiny, like definitely one of the one of the the beginning of destiny 2's emotional scene yes badassery of of like every time my wife sees this scene she's in tears because you know what's happening you know what's about to happen here and it's it you know they've got each one of the barons are there and and even the statue that uh, that i have uh is of Cade's last moments where he's he's got he's got Ace out in his hand and he's firing off shot he's you know hand hand fanning shots off with it and 
mm-hmm. and underneath him is a is a plate with a dead scorn underneath it, and he's fighting them off, and and they he starts to go golden gun at one point, and they they you know they take him down and, and start beating the crap out of him, and he jumps up and blade barrages everything, and then he's like, all right, now I'm pissed, yeah. and 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 then it goes into the the whole thing of you know he's he's going and going and fighting and fighting and fighting, and he finally gets gets to the point where he's 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 beat down. And and he finally pulls out Sundance, his ghost, and that's when it happens. He he says, "Little help here, buddy," and Sundance appears, and the rifleman shoots Sundance dead. And Cade, that that is that I I don't know if that's the first time that we as 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 a player have ever seen it. That's the first time I can remember ever. Seeing I think it. so. We've it's we have heard stories of right. like Thorn. And whatnot, but I think that's the first time we have ever been in the Witness, vicinity of something like that. That's the first time that we've seen that happen, and and he, the rifleman shoots Sundance, and Sundance shatters into a thousand pieces, and Cade goes light lightless, and that's when Cade has the the realization: this is it. Like this is this is the end of the game. Like this this. This is the end of the road for him, essentially. Like he knows at that moment, that's that's the that's the. All right, I'm coming home, Ace. And that's and he looks at his, he looks at Ace of Spades' his gun, and and holds it up one last time to to shoot off around. And the next thing we see, he's he's got a big old hole in his chest, uh, um, that Aldrin has put there. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and so we. You know, we we come upon this scene uh, as Aldrin is kind of fleeing the the scene of the crime, Ace of Spades in his hand as he does it, uh, and you know, Cade Cade's final moments play out, and our guardian is is left with the uh, self self-proclaimed mission of vengeance uh well and, and it's it's so like because the next scene is is you know you're you're back in the tower mm-hmm. is there is wall is there and and i is like we i want every hunter every titan every warlock to storm the reef and we're going to kill and murder everything that moves and zavala's like no and Ikora's like, what? You what now? <laughs> what? <laughs> and so then our guardian's like, nope, I got this. And thus begins the vengeance quest of killing every single baron. So, I want to talk about this a little bit. Um, this scene, as well as the, the, the theme of Forsaken... Um, because I think especially now through the lens of the events of Beyond Light and more recently, uh, uh, through, you know, Splicer and, and Lost, um, we can, I don't want to say drive some different, uh, different information, but different ideas. Uh, I, I look at the events of Forsaken a little differently. Um, sure. Specifically, 
I I wonder if this is the moment that our guardian has the although we don't see it for a while if this is the moment that our guardian develops the ability to wield stasis I uh, and I I say that because there is a very level becomes the becomes the catalyst to to have the ability um because the the lore around for so up until this point our guardian has been uh very much like lawful good if we're gonna use those references uh has been very like you know i am a servant of the light i defeat enemies of humanity and servants of the dark you know that i am good they are evil that is that is how things are and with the introduction of forsaken and and i think you know as much shit as he got for it uh at the time both in game as well as in the community zavala says the line we are guardians we are not conquerors uh and i i feel like that statement has only grown more powerful over time uh especially given the events of season of the chosen and and all of that um you know love him or hate him zavala zavala has always had this stance of and even uh, Holiday, Amanda Holiday, echoes the same sentiment uh, when she's talking to Saladin during Season of the Chosen. Guardians guard. He is very much of the mindset that, uh, and I think, we don't know Zavala's age, but I, I believe, he well, he is pre-City. So, uh, He's got to be pre-everything, though. So, probably, American. well, this is true. Um but like his his age is a guardian, I mean. Right. right. His, his re- How long has he been a guardian? Right. Yeah. His resurrection was pre-city because in his little cinematic, he's literally building he's the city building walls. The wall of the city, yeah. Um. So if we say dark age, that implies that Zavala has seen the worst that light bearers can be. Uh, I'm curious if he saw Shax as a warlord. I would not be surprised. Um. You know, like, we know Saladin he... did. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Zavala is referenced as kind of Saladin's apprentice in a lot of ways. Um, so we, we have this, this figure of, you know, of what the epitome of what our guardian aspired to be prior to forsaken. And that, that is what Zavala is. You know, yeah. guardians guard. We are not conquerors. We are defenders of those that cannot defend themselves. And our guardian, speaking for the first time in many years, <laughs> uh, it's like D one <laughs> makes makes a very clear message that no, I will avenge this person. I will. I will write what I see as a personal wrong. Um, and I, I feel like, and a lot of the lore of Forsaken uh, kind of makes reference to this. Like our guardians 
although seemingly have have steered a little more towards neutral, have steered a little more towards the gray area, uh, they were not in a good spot mentally. No. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's a reference, and I'm trying to remember the weapon it's on, and for the life of me, I can't. But there's a reference uh, in the in the Forsaken lore where our ghost uh, is kind of monologuing in the lore card, and it's about all the things that ghost wishes they could tell us. Um, oh yeah, yeah. And it mentions like you know I wish I could tell you that you know that sometimes I don't recognize you anymore. That sometimes you scare me. Uh, yeah. You know I wish that I could tell you that you know. That I, uh, you know, that that I love you. That our our ghost like is fearful for what we're becoming. Um, and all of this, you know, we, our guardian vows vengeance on on Aldrin for the the death of Cade. Uh, proceeds to just cut a path of bodies to these barons, these fallen, uh, scorned barons, uh, to end them without prejudice uh, in pursuit of Aldrin, and to then find him, understand that they may not have understood that he was being manipulated the entire time, at the moment at that moment but they understood that there was more going on than what was originally thought yeah and still in spite of that made the decision to to end him as well and just the the more you know in the moment i feel like the you know when forsaken came out a lot of the community uh you know myself included was very gung-ho was very like yeah we're gonna you know we're gonna get the guy that that took Cade but uh but looking back on it now is like we were kind of fucked up (laughs) like uh and you know like genuinely in a very very bad place yeah um and it, uh, I, I just feel like because immediately after that we start getting, uh, you know, we we get Shadowkeep, and the darkness becomes is given a physical form, uh, in the pyramid ships. Yeah, and then beyond light, I, I don't know that our characters could have ever turned into what they have currently uh you know wielding both and having control over both um if control, control the strong word there okay w- being able to wield both uh but i don't know that they would have ever progressed to that point if they had stayed that stoic that you know lawful long. good yeah. uh so no i, th- I think you're right i think I think the only way that we as guardians could even come close to wielding the darkness is by going into that gray area, going into that maybe a little, I, I don't want to call it uh, chaotic good because I don't, I don't feel like it's, it's 
that far, but because like when I think of people as far as that chart, like I look at the drifter, and to me he's chaotic neutral. Yeah. yeah. Like he he at, at first I thought no nah, he's chaotic evil no 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 he truly is chaotic neutral. He just whatever the fuck happens happens. You know like it's yeah. just... he's he's got his backup plans to get himself the heck out of yep. there if he can, but. Yep. That's... Doesn't matter if those plans are good, bad, up, yeah. down, left, right. Doesn't matter. As long as it, as long as his survival continues. So, so, and and he he constantly mentions, you know, the light and darker. They they're the same thing. There's no difference. Like throughout the prophecy dungeon, it talk he talks he has many dialogues of, you know, light, dark, heaven, hell. It's it's all the same. It's all just it's all just what side of the coin are you on type thing. And and it's it's interesting to me to to think of it that way. And and for then uh, us as guardians to be able to use darkness, to be able to wield darkness as a, as a tool, as I don't want to say as effortlessly as we do, but I mean realistically as effortlessly as we do. I mean compared to everything else that exists, uh, you know, Aramis, the Elixni, they needed something to to allow them to wield it. Uh, the only other things now, which is a fairly recent development, that can wield stasis naturally are the Hive and the Scorn, both of which are inhabited with some form of darkness, be it through Dark ether or through um, their worm. And yes, we, we had the one instance uh, in the lore cards where they mentioned the, the word stasis uh in relation to the tech witch's ritual and and we don't know what that like to us as as the reader we're like oh my god the tech witches are using stasis ah! <laughs> but but it, it may not be as direct as that like it right it, it it may not be a power of darkness you know like it, it it that that could there could be many 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 things that that could mean like it, it could literally just mean like a, a, a stasis was the secret passcode that broke yeah. your concentration you know like that any anything like that could, could easily be put in there but so, i like to think of it as you know they used a little bit of stasis to well and out, you know and we say the awoken are of light and dark so yeah. they would it would certainly be within the realm of possibility no it's guaranteed that the awoken have had access to stasis well before we have by nature of agar's scepter it's it's a stasis trace rifle. Oh my god! That has existed, presumably, oh since before since they the came from the distributary. Before even then, since shit, since friggin' oh my god, since X is green. I don't know about that far. Surely not um, this far back. I, I, so if, depending on how we compare, uh, the story of Agar and Rager against Mara and Aldrin, it seems to be implied that the scepter and the crown were made in the distributary. Yep. Uh, and then were brought out with them, I, I guess. Um, now I don't know if... Because we, we don't go to the distributary to pick it up. No. Like, we no, go no. to a physical place in the Dreaming City to pick it up. Right. I just don't know if the timelines match up exactly. Like, you know, if uh, if that 
and and we also like they they're very ambiguous with how much is a direct correlation to Mara and Aldrin with the Agar and Rhaegar story, and how much uh, or Rhaega story, and how much is um like there there is a story within this myth that does not belong to them. I it, it it's confusing. Well, and. <laughs> because... and... In in the uh, um, in the lore card of the weapon itself, the very last part of it, Mara's it's it's literally the night before the the Taken battle, and and Aldrin's telling this story to the to the Awoken kids and and you know oh, I see her I see her I think I see her like yeah she, everything will be fine da, da 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 and Mara tells him stop filling their heads full of nonsense mm-hmm. which which it, it it's 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 interesting to me that that. Yeah, it it it's I I don't know why I never even connected the 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 fact that it is a stasis gun, and it has existed since forever. Dude, they they've absolutely been wielding stasis. Yeah, I don't know if uh, directly, you know, but definitely at least in weaponry, and. Uh, presumably they, I mean, they have to have an understanding of it enough to make a weapon out of it. Well, and all the all the weapons we're getting this season they are, are stasis. Awoken tech, are... They're, they're awoken stuff, and they are stasis. There's at least, what, four of them that are stasis? Reed's Regret's the only one that isn't a, uh, a, a direct awoken weapon. Yeah, because it's Trials. But, um... But, yeah... But... Saint has been hanging out with Mara. Maybe they learned a little bit of something there. Well, I mean, if we're if we're really gonna get into it, Reed's regret is not from Saint. Reed's regret is right. from Reed, Reed. Uh, yep. of Shira's former fire yep. team. Reed and yep. Um, that's a different story. That's different a different story. story. <laughs> Hold that track. So, uh, but I I do think going back to Aldrin a little bit, that is an interesting bit about his character that we have. Um, that we have learned this season uh, that I, I, I kind of enjoyed. Uh, they, they give this kind of childlike whimsy to, to Aldrin, yeah. or at least like pre, uh, I want to say pre-Black Garden, but definitely pre-Taken War uh, Aldrin, where he... Oh, I... Pre-Garden. <laughs> yeah, pre, pre-Garden Garden as well. Where, like we saw that whimsy there yeah but he he was this grand you know he was a storyteller he loved to entertain the children he uh that's why he went on so many or one of the reasons why he went on so many adventures uh it's one of the reasons why he claims to have wanted to go to the black garden in the first place was you know to have another feat of heroism to to entertain the awoken people with um so I, I feel like as much as he delighted in being in the spotlight, he also, uh, you know, liked the ability to tell those stories to the, the next generations and um, pass on some of, you know, the their awoken history and culture in that, that manner. Absolutely. So... 
So, so that's so as as far as as far as Uldren's story, then um, we we've kind of we've kind of come to the point where he dies. Yeah, that's uh... we, we we fulfill our well. I say we fulfill our mission, our our personal vengeance mission, our creed. We, we go hunting after him, and and he 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 goes into the Dreaming City, and this whole time. You know, he's seeing the visions from Mara and, you know, free me, do it, do it, brother, free me, set me free. And he finally, he, he, he ends up getting a shard of the traveler. So he's got a little bit of light and, and he uses, he holds that up to the, to the, um, uh, whatever the gateway is there, the, the, the vault gateway or whatever it is, yeah. um, that leads into the, uh, um, the last wish raid, essentially the, the, the vault of, of ribbon, um, and he cha- you see that you see the darkness being channeled from like by this time he, his eyes are full darkness he's just darkness is pouring out of every orifice <laughs> you know like his whole his skin is yeah. crawling with darkness it's it's all that and all of that pours through his eyes through the crystal into the into the portal there and 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 he sees a vision of Mara coming out and and, and embracing his arms with hers and when he opens his eyes, all that darkness is gone, and it is the we, we talked about it. The meatball. That, it, it, the meatball, but it, it had a name. And I can't uh, yeah. What was it? Was it? It was like the Envoy of Riven. Maybe. Let's look. Let's let's look here. Um, the meatball from. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm learning Envoy of Riven is from a different game, uh, somewhat competitive to Destiny called Warframe. Um, <laughs> yeah. Lord knows see. the crossover been happening. Yep. Uh, let's let's look here. Um, so so. <laughs> Searching Riven Meatball Destiny 2 got me my results. Uh, <laughs> really? It did. Nice. Uh, it is the Chimera uh, Voice of Riven. Voice of Riven. Voice of Riven. So that's like... So he doesn't actually get to set her free. He just sets essentially sets her voice free and, and allows her voice to, to flow out of the vault. Like through to everyone. So now, now just instead of Riven speaking to him. Now it's speaking to everyone. And in that scene, the meatball devours him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Tentacles and all. Um, and then, of course, we we swoop in. We defeat the the voice of Riven, um, uh, which has a lot. I mean, we're we're bouncing back and forth between the Ascendant Plane and and the Dreaming City and defeating Taken and and you know we're we're just we're really all over the place in there. Get to the final scene. Petra joins us. We look. We stare down Aldrin. Screen goes black. Gunshot. Yep. So Aldrin, Aldrin is killed, whether it be by us or by Petra. That is left up to us as the player. To now, I'm sure at some point in time, something we will get a definitive answer of who pulled the trigger, and it could have been both of us at the exact same time. Don't I don't know. know if we ever will. To be honest, I, I don't. I don't truly think we will. We might, but I don't think we will. With everything that's happening between Petra and the Crow right now, it's it's very hard to make any type of definitive answer. Yeah, and uh, it's 
it's always fun to uh so when when this scene came out people were so enamored with who pulled the trigger who pulled the trigger yeah. uh because yeah, they intentionally left it like ambiguous they, they, this was like the new who shot jr right of Destiny, right like this was uh, the big well who done it so i i remember people taking the the uh audio clips from that scene and like putting them in a spectrogram and going oh no there's two gunshots they both they both did it uh who knows the yeah so we we that's so now at this point in time the awoken are without anyone like there's yeah. no like petra's i guess the closest you come to as a leading mm-hmm. force yeah she takes over as queen's regent at this point yep. um, uh. so so not only is she queen's wrath she is also queen's regent um because she never assigns a, a wrath to herself does she no no so she never she, assumes she uh She's given the opportunity, but she never assumes queenhood herself. Right. So she leads us into the Dream City and and helps us go through the Dream City. Um, we of course we of course then we go into the the last the last wish raid. We we kill Riven, uh, and we learn that Riven has granted one last wish. And that last wish has been brought up recently in this season, like literally last week. Um, or th- this week, I guess, the, mm-hmm. tomorrow being reset. Uh, we still don't, like, Petra is still under the pretense that that last wish was Riven's wish, or, or Savathun's wish, one of the two. Yeah. And, and like, we as the Guardian, like, there's, that's another point of, of speculation, too. Like, whose wish was it? We know, like, it's keep reference as a she. We don't know if it was Riven's, if it was Mara's, if it was Petra's, if it was Savathun's, if it was, you know, we, we have no idea of knowing. But the, the next scene we see of Uldren is a little ghost called Pulled Pork who has been searching and searching and searching and searching and searching to the point of hilarity. Like, you're never going to, like, he starts scanning rocks. And they're like, what, is your guardian going to be inside the rock? And he's like, you never know got to check uh pulled pork comes across a corpse that's underneath a cloth and does a little scanning thing and then does a little res animation and this corpse wakes up and it's Uldren Sob. no it's crow all right you win that one <laughs> to us as the viewer it's Uldren it's Uldren Sob. Uh, to, to the person that just got rezzed, it's an I don't have a fucking clue what the hell just happened. What is going on? Who am I? What the shit is this? What is this floaty orb? Uh, yeah. Which so I think that's, a, that's a good point to kind of wrap it up uh, for at least this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's still so much more. Like like this is the beginning of the of Crow's story now. Like that, Aldrin Sav is dead. Yeah. And and throughout Crow's story. It is mentioned. It is. It is almost beat into us as a guard, as the player. Uldren Sov is dead. Uldren Sov is no more. The only person that exists in front of us when we are talking to this entity is the crow, the guardian. Until this season, where they seem bound and determined to make us wonder about all that. 
him the freak back, and I swear to God, if they change him back into Oberyn, I'm a table flip something. <laughs> like, what the hell, Budgie? Pick a lane. <laughs> Pick a friggin' lane, for the love of God. Uh, I mean, they're just, they're operating within the biases of the characters in the story. You know, God. every, everybody says, no, this is Crow, Aldrin is gone, because that is the way it has been for every Guardian ever. Yep. But it's also taboo to even try to find out things about yourselves, uh, about your past life. Like, so... Continuously reprimanded Anna Bray every time she even mentioned wanting to find more parts of herself. And, 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 then, and then when, when, when we find her at, 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 at the heart of Rasputin, Zavala's there on the other side of the door, and she's like, uh-oh, Daddy, pa- Daddy Zavala's here, and I'm going to get in trouble. I'm grounded. Uh... Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, it's very much like this is pure taboo to, to even look for your former life. And and the 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 only other the, uh, I I think the only person that we've ever come across ever that knows anything of their former life is Anna. Every EXO remembers their name. Oh shit! Uh, why they are such and such ten, Micah ten, fucking Cade yep. six. Damn it! Every EXO remembers their name. Nothing else but their name. I'm curious Uh, if the name of the EXO is literally like printed somewhere on their body. Well, I I don't think so because that's not the way that that lore card reads. Uh, We talked about it during our our Penguin episode. Um, But there is a lore card that states, I think Micah is the one that says it, uh, that every Exo Guardian remembers their name the moment they wake up. Uh, they don't all use their real name, quote unquote, real name. Um, but every Exo remembers their name. So and specifically, their name plus their resurrections. Yeah, plus their number. So Micah knows that Micah is Micah Ten, and now now Micah may not may not have a full understanding of the exo because we don't we don't know how much of the of the of the deep stone crypt and the and the entire exo facility that right. vanguard and guardians have have gone and, and explored and and looked into because even we as the guardian when we go to the deep stone crypt raid we we just bring down the orbital state we just bring down morningstar yeah no like, we we don't explore we don't, the the deep the dark secrets crypt. yeah and then like uh i got a, i got a piece of dialogue the other day um, when we were running through, I was I was helping uh, Silius and 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 Superbow, uh through uh, the the Beyond Light stuff, and we came we go to the, we went to that big the the room where you, where you fight the the technocrat, um, and 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 behind him is that is that that uh, uh, what is it it's it's like a walkway out to an orb, and then there's just stacks and stacks and stacks and servers. Oh yeah. Yep, yep. I was curious as to what that room was, and Ghost actually he he tells us, he says these these are all the memories of every EXO ever, and he talks about you know, Cade Six is probably somewhere in here, and you know it wouldn't be our Cade, it'd be a blank slate Cade. Right. And and we know and he and Ghost even says you know rest in peace buddy, 
like, and that, that honestly, that was kind of a hard scene for me to watch. Like, like even that dialogue was like when when he was like, "Rest in peace, buddy," and it was like, "Aw, that's yeah. what Cade would have said to us." Like, "Oh, damn it!" <laughs> so yeah, it's so we know that there is more to the to the Exo facility than just Deep Stone Crypt itself. That they, that I mean, there's there's whole chunks of it that we get to visit as part of the um, Braytech facility on Europa. Because it, 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 the, the, the facility itself is never given a name, right? It's just, it's, no, we just it's, know it's Clovis Bray's facility. Yeah, personal. it's just Braytech or... Braytech. Yeah. 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 Um, it's, it's interesting that, that the ghosts remember their name, but or not the ghosts, the, the, the Exos remember their name and their resurrections. The, the, specifically the name and number combo. But nothing else. Like, not, well, well, again, back to our Micah episode. Micah remembers bits and like she has, has visions and dreams of her parents, of her her fathers. Right. Uh, she doesn't know who they are or what the yeah. relevance of those dreams are, but she has them, which means yeah. those images are in there somewhere. So I'm curious if there is something inherent to the the EXO itself, or or if that's something in like it, is it is it the mix of the radiolaria and darkness that, that flows through them? Is it if, you know, like, 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 what is it that if, that, uh, that 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 information? So bringing this back around to to Aldrin to hopefully wrap stuff up. Um, the one thing that, or I, I guess one thing that comes to mind that both Exos and Awoken have in common is that they both have dark. They, they're oh. both inherently of the dark. So if, if having a portion of yourself be of the dark somehow lends to your ability to retain, uh, memories through resurrection of the light... Maybe there's a chance Aldrin or Crow will remember Aldrin uh, in in some now, capacity. Now if that's the case, then, then Zavala would have the same, and like the yeah. Cryptarchs would all have the same. Like, but none of them have ever tried because right. it's it's taboo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, we don't know, but I feel like none of them have had as traumatic an experience as Aldrin and Crow have both had in both of their lives. Yes. Uh, Which we'll cover next time. Yes. We, that, uh, we, this, <laughs> as funny as I thought that Mara's story was going to take three episodes, it turns out Aldrin's going to take even longer. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, it's it's two people, kind of. So, you know. We, we, Aldrin is dead. Aldrin is dead. Long live Crow. Long live Crow. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I have somebody curled up next to me saying, nope, nope, nope. <laughs> uh, but yeah, with that, I, 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 I do think we, we call it for the night. Yep. Um, this this has been a, a hell of a journey through Aldrin's life. Like, this has just been... <sighs> Holy shit. Like, the, the ups and downs and the revelations and the... And the, the ev- everything about... Aldrin has just been 
I don't want to say heartache after heartache, but there's just been so much in his life that has that has turned him in, it, or that 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 has changed him as a as a person, and and now to 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 have him as a guardian. It is Bungie. I know. It is Bungie writing yet another Greek tragedy in the Destiny universe. Everybody dies. Oh, I'm telling you. One of the interns, or maybe, maybe, maybe even Joe Blackburn himself, is a is a Greek tragedy major. And we don't <laughs> even know it. Like that's sort of the, we don't know. Um, but yeah. So as as is typical fashion, uh, we'll end this one with a with some thank yous. Uh, uh, thank you to Alpha for for being our guest introducer tonight. Uh, um, I I know. Uh, Mark was able to to sneak his way in here. Uh, I did. <laughs> so thank you, thank you, Mark. Uh, uh, or Clip, sorry, I keep doing that. I'm bad. <laughs> uh, now the internet uh, knows my name. I think the internet knows your name. It's it's not like your YouTube page has <laughs> your name on. Anyway. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so uh, thank you, Clips, um, for 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 joining us. Uh, um, at least for the second half of it. <laughs> uh, obviously, thank you to Myth, my co-host. Without without you, this would this would just be a me rambling into nothingness. Um, you know, thank thank you to Bungie, obviously, for coming up with these stories. Thank you for thanks to thank you Aldrin for being just as crazy as you freaking are. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's that's yeah. Matthew, and Matthew, you got, see you yeah. next week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think you about covered it. So I think that's a good spot to end, and we will pick up next time. With the crow. The crow. All right, take it easy, guys.